Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, friends, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 3 this morning. Or pull the Bible off of the pew rack in front of you or turn on your Bible. However you interact with the Word of God, we want uh, to be hearing from the Word of the Lord today. And as we turn to Luke chapter 3, let's also turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as your Word came to John in the desert, your living Word, you opened up your voice and spoke and brought a new way of life. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us. You know every heart in this room. You know every person within the sound of my voice. And you and you alone, Lord, can speak life to every one of us. And so we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And together we say, amen. Amen. Luke chapter 3, verses 4 to 18, hear the word of the Lord. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Amen. That John the Baptist is some kind of a preacher, isn't he? You wish I preached more like that? Sometimes. Drop the hammer, you know? The funny thing is that verse 18 tells us uh, this is his good news sermon. It says this is, <clears throat> this, is how John, this is how John spoke when he was bringing the good news to the people. 
So, so which do you prefer, the good news or the bad news? If someone says, okay, I've got good news and bad news, which would you like first? What do you like to take first? Let's take a, let's take a poll. How many say, I want the good news first? Put your hand in the, I want the good news first. See, I can understand that. You, you want the good news and then you feel a little bit better and then maybe the bad news isn't going to seem so bad because you've kind of been buoyed. I can understand that. Well, how about the other way? You'd say, give me the bad news first. Um, say, oh, there you go. There you go. What does that say about us? <laughs> but I, that's where I am. I'm with you, you know? All right, give me the bad news, and then, uh, you know, I can take the good news and just sort of just enjoy it, just marinate in it like a day at the beach, you know? I don't have to worry about what, what's still coming on the other side. The good news. Well, Verse 18, and with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Does this message sound like good news? The only way that this message of John's is possibly good news, the only way that this could be good news is if he's right. And if the turnaround is possible. The only way this could be good news is if there's a new way of life possible because of Jesus. Where do we go to ask life-sized questions? Where do you go to get answers to the life-sized questions? Some questions are bigger than others. You're at work when your boss suddenly calls you in and says you're up for a promotion, but it's going to require a move across the country. Well, all of a sudden, in the course of a regular day, you're in the middle of a, of a life-sized question, right? A career-sized question. You have to make room for it. The relationship uh, with your husband that has worked for year after year after year suddenly feels like it's not working today or, or this week or this month, and, and suddenly you're in a marriage-sized question, and you have, to, you have to recognize that. You have to make room for that. You have to address it at that level. Do you see, many of the biggest mistakes we make in life are when we apply the wrong-sized answer to the questions that we face. We apply a day-sized answer to a life-sized question. Today is, uh, is known as Sanctity of Life Sunday for pro-life churches and wh wherever you might feel yourself to be on that issue. I've found the healthiest churches and the healthiest crisis pregnancy centers I've been a part of find a way to, to lovingly express. We believe the size of the question deserves a right-sized answer. So it's kind of a please don't apply a, a day-sized or a school-sized or career-sized or convenient-sized answer to what is truly a life-sized question. Your heart may come to regret it. Or if I could say we're experiencing the sadness of having lost uh, another young man uh, to suicide this last week at Cheyenne. And what you want to... Um, when you're talking about suicide prevention, what you want to communicate is, you want to communicate, please, whatever you're feeling, 
Don't, don't apply a permanent kind of a solution to a temporary problem. Please don't. You see, you never know what God is going to change. We need life-sized uh, answers for life-sized questions. Amen? Now, I don't know what compelled all these people to go out to see John the Baptist in the wilderness. He had this amazing way of, of ripping them to shreds and telling them that was good news, you know. And, but they, they, uh, they all wanted to go out there. And, and what I imagine is that every one of them, if you could ask any individual, they had their finger on some life-sized question that they needed an answer to. Something that was troubling their spirit, something that they couldn't absorb or couldn't process or couldn't get past, some life-sized problem that made them get up from their ordinary run-of-the-mill lives, made them want to, to leave, you know, to get up from their desk at work on a Tuesday morning or whatever it was and say, I've got to go because I've got to find an answer that matches the size of this question that's gnawing away at me in my heart. And every one of them, they went out to see this man, John, in the wilderness because life-sized questions need life-sized answers. And if we don't get life-sized answers to the life-sized questions, we can get the biggest things wrong. Well, we didn't read verses uh, 1 and 2, but you could see them there in your Bible. The introduction of, of this ministry of John the Baptist, and what Luke does is he gives the date. The way the Bible gives the date is to list contemporary leaders, and so he does that, all these leaders that were in power at the time, and then comes in verse two this amazing phrase. He says, at that time, in that place, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. This is a big statement. See, after the intertestamental period, after 400 years of silence from the prophets of God, where the people wondered, will God ever open up his voice and speak to us in a living way again? Well, when will we hear from God? After hundreds of years of silence, the word of God came to John in the desert. Luke's account starts John's ministry. It, it frames John's ministry in the prophet Isaiah. It begins with the written word, you see. If you're looking for God to speak to you, if you're looking for the voice of God, if you're looking for God to bring life-sized answers to your life-sized questions, it begins, it begins with the written word. He speaks right through his written word to you and me. Yeah, just scatter stuff all over the place. But then he puts it back together. <laughs> and so John's ministry begins with the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah's promises in Isaiah 40 that every valley will be raised up. Every low place, every gap will be filled up with fullness. And every mountain, every impediment, every, every hill to the, the way of life that God brings, every block, every hindrance, it's going to be laid flat to the floor. And the way is going to be made straight. And then verse 6. I'm going to give you the ESV here. Let me give you a different translation here. Verse 6. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. See, flesh is significant. 
It isn't just an idea here, this coming of Jesus, the Messiah. The life of Jesus, it touches down in the flesh. The way of life that Jesus brings, it isn't just a wish, it's a flesh and blood reality. A new way of life touches down in Jesus. So there's your text, Isaiah 40, and here comes your message. And how would you recommend that John begins? Maybe a nice opener to, you know, connect with the audience, maybe an icebreaker, a little joke, you know, to make sure we're on the same team before we jump into the message. Well, here it comes, here he comes, you're ready. <laughs> you brood of vipers. <laughs> That's the opener, yeah. Who warned you to flee the coming? What are you doing here, you brood of vipers? Okay, that's another way to go. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you brood of vipers. It's not a compliment. <laughs> no, no study of ancient uh, ling linguistic study is going to turn that into some kind of a compliment. Nope. It's not a compliment, but you know what? It's also, it's not a loose cannon insult. There's some, there's some meat to this. There's some content to this. In fact, Jesus says the very same thing in Matthew 23, and if you look there, his message gets hotter than John the Baptist's message. You brood of vipers. Just imagine a, uh, a knot of, of snakes, you know, down at the bottom of some pit, <laughs> okay? All writhing around each other. How would you interact with that? How, how, would, how do you even touch uh, ground with that? I mean, to be in the middle of that is just to invite harm. It's to invite biting. It's to invite attack. It's, it, it's to invite being killed even. You can't even touch a, a brood of vipers without taking that poison on yourself. You see, the only way to, to be with them would be to become one of them. Because they can live with each other. They can stand each other. Why? Because each one is more poisonous and biting and vile than the next. Are you making any connection here? John looks at this people and he says, you, you brood of vipers. You're just... You're trafficking in poison. How long do you want to sit together in, in this mire? How long will you swim in the bottom of the well with the snakes? How long do you want to spend marinating in, in poison and cynicism and, and sarcasm and, and, and nastiness and vile? How, how long? Enough to become one? I don't know if that's helping anyone. But he says, listen, don't live that way. John the Baptist, he's very direct. He's saying the current way of life, your current way of life is not the way of life. It's the way of death. And how long do you want to sit there? John's John the Baptist's message is very clear. Stop. Turn around. Find a new path, 
His baptism was a baptism of repentance. Repentance means turning around. And it's good news because it opens up a new possibility. He says, it's okay. You can turn around now. There's another way of life. I thought I was stuck. I thought I always had to be this, to do this, to follow on this track. And John says, no, no, no. You don't have to. Stop. It's okay. You can turn around now. Verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, this is John's uh, walk the walk, don't just talk the talk kind of halftime speech, right? Like you don't just say you're going to change. You got to do it. You got to do the thing. Don't just come over here and jump in my river and hop out and then pretend that everything's different when you go back to the same game. You go back to the same pattern of life. No, you've got to produce fruit. You've got to find a new way of life. And he says, don't expect your family line to save you either. You catch that? There are no... There are no grandkids in God's family, okay? There are only kids. You follow me? Jesus is not impressed that your mother was faithful. Jesus is not impressed that your grandfather worked to to build up the church. He's not impressed that, that you come from a family that has known Jesus. Not when it comes to your soul. It's your soul that matters. It's your faith that matters. And and the covenant is not a matter of genetics. And the being a part of the family of God is not a birthright. It is about you and your personal relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And so you don't just stand up and say, well, my parents, my grandparents, this, that, and the other thing. No, 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 no. John says, listen, this is to your heart. Your faith matters. Your decisions matter. Your own relationship with God is the question. And if you're not going to root your life in God, if you're not going to live out what God is pouring in, well, he says, then you're as good as dead. You're like a branch that's been broken off of the tree. You're like a vine that's been pulled up out of the soil. You're as as good as dead. It's just a matter of time. Well, that's John's point. And this is a life-sized question. Now follow along. The people knew how big of a question this was. And they knew just how big of an answer they needed. And so they started answering, asking John, verse 10, what should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. And the question tells us that the crowd knew just how serious of a predicament this was when they say, well, it feels like you're saying my place in the family of God is is on the line. It feels like you're saying that that who I am and where my life belongs is on the line. So they start asking, well, what should we do? What should we do with our lives? And John says very basically, listen, live generously. Turn around and start living with others in mind. Don't make it all about yourself. Live generously and think of others. The tax collectors come. Well, tax collectors, these were people who would purchase a franchise of of a tax-paying populace from Rome, and then they, they had to return a certain amount regularly, but then they could tax that people for all they were worth. I mean, they could tax them down to the fingernails, you know. 
And they did. And so John says, you tax collectors, don't defraud people. Don't cheat. His answer is very direct. Soldiers come who are used to using their force and their authority to bilk powerless and vulnerable people out of money. You know, and he said, well, what should we do? Verse 14, then some soldiers asked, and what should we do? He replied, well, don't do that. (laughs) Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. You see, just these are basic things. Don't bonus yourselves on the backs of the vulnerable and the weak just because you have power as a soldier. And then he adds this added wisdom as he puts his finger right in the cause of what was causing these soldiers to to treat others this way. And he says, listen, be content with your pay because the root cause was, was greed, you see. By the way, we don't always get to pick what we get paid. But we always get to pick whether we're content with what we have. Now, John says to the soldiers, just be content with your pay. And then you'll be a little bit freer to deal with others fairly. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't be greedy and selfish and small. I mean, this stuff is obvious, isn't it? Isn't this what you would have said if you were in John's shoes? This is not sort of groundbreaking material. But John's giving them life-sized answers. And there's a boldness to it. Because John's saying, don't just tweak the system here. Don't just make a little shift here. You need to get off of that train and change your life. So the people responded, and they saw that this man was offering life-sized answers to life-sized questions, and they started to wonder within themselves, could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah. You see, people always want to know what to do. They always say, tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. What should I do? And if they're hungry enough or desperate enough or fearful enough, the mob will always attach to anyone who's willing to tell them just exactly what to do. John's only telling them what they already know. But still, they're hanging on every word. So verse 15, the people were waiting expectedly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. I mean, here's a guy with life-size answers to life-size questions, and John feels their anticipation. He feels their gaze, their hopeful gaze, and so he steps forward to correct them. People always want to know what to do, but what they really need is to know who to be and how to be transformed from the inside. There's only one that I know that I would trust with a life, and that's Jesus. Verse 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus comes, friends, not with a list of do's and don'ts. Jesus comes not with a glitzy uh, PowerPoint presentation of life's best practices. He comes not with uh, increased resolve to do better this 
year. See, the people had tried that. Again and again, the people of God, they had tried to obey, and then they had wandered off into disobedience, and then they felt the pain of their disobedience, and then they listened to a prophet, and they turned and tried to walk with God again, and they resolved, this time I'm going to do better. This time I'm going to keep the resolutions. This time I'm going to find that new healthy pattern, and they resolved again and again and again, and maybe you've tried, and maybe you've efforted, and maybe you've said, I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to try harder this time. But listen, where is the power for change? Where is the power for genuine inner transformation? Jesus doesn't come with a list. He comes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit, that's God himself, the power of God himself within you, day after day, working within you to free you up for a new and a healthy and a glorious way of life. That's the Holy Spirit. Where's the power to change? Jesus will come and he'll bring his Holy Spirit and he will baptize you with fire. Well, fire is a powerful force. It's a transformative force. You're looking for, looking for light and life. There it is right there. That's fire. There's, there's, there's light. There's life. But fire can be very painful. Refiners fire. You know that refiners who, who are purifying uh, special metals, they apply a lot of fire and a lot of heat to remove those impurities and bring pure gold and pure silver in the end. John says Jesus is coming and he's coming with a new way of life and there is power in Christ to change your life but he doesn't promise that it's going to be pain free. A few years ago in um, my church in Georgia I noticed a man stopping in to pray in our sanctuary. Uh, It was uh, over lunchtime doors were open, and I, I just saw, here's this man alone praying in our sanctuary, and, and I saw him one day, two days. On the third day, maybe I was a little slow here, I mean, <laughs> but on the third day, I thought, boy, I probably ought to talk to that guy. So I came in and sat down next to him, and, um, and he looked up at me, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, Pastor, I've given my life to Christ, and it's wonderful. I mean, uh, my life is, is full in ways that it never has been. I feel God's presence all the time. I love my wife and my kids like I've never done before. There's a deep peace inside my soul that, that I've never known before. It's wonderful. And every time I pick up the Bible, it's like God is standing there. It's like Jesus is there in the room speaking to me his, his living word. It's wonderful. But, he said, but I'm torn apart because I have an increasing feeling that I have to make a career change. And I said, well, what do you do? And he looked a little bit sheepish, and, and he said, well, I, I, I own a, a few franchises of a sports-themed restaurant. Now, he must have, <laughs> you're already there. 
he must have forgotten what he was wearing because he was <laughs> he was wearing a fleece jacket that had a logo on it. And the logo was for a national chain of restaurants uh, that you would recognize that make a considerable amount of their profit from, and how shall your pastor say this indelicately, uh, by exploiting the, the physical features of the waitresses. Are you there? I mean, don't go there. But are you there? And so I kind of looked down at, at, his, uh, at his jacket, and I, I looked him in the eyes, and I said, brother, there might be a change coming. But I said, but listen to me now. Your life will always be richer for having obeyed the call of Christ. A few months later, I was driving by one of those restaurants and they had left the national chain and just become an independent uh, entity, a thing uh, of their, all of their own. And the point is not the restaurant. The point is that Christ spoke to this man's heart The point is that the Lord spoke to him and woke him up to the living word. And and then Christ told him there's going to need to be a change. But it's okay. You can turn around now. And that change was big. It wasn't a tweak. It was a big thing to change. But you see, he did it. He did it. Jesus brings life-sized answers to life-sized questions. In fact, Jesus is the life-sized answer. The presence of Jesus is is a life-changing light. The presence of Jesus is a world-changing life. The presence of Jesus is an invitation to begin new life, a new way of life is here. It's okay. You can turn around now. God will help you. He will strengthen you. He will baptize you with his Holy Spirit within, with his transforming fire. God will change you in your inner being. New life begins deep inside, and then it flows out. It flows out into habits. It flows out into changes in our outer attitudes and ways of life. John Orberg was in an interview lately and, and said, you know, we, uh, we sometimes get people to think about Jesus by asking, him that, by asking them this, this question, if you died tonight, what would happen, you know? It's a good question. <laughs> I, I, I like knowing the answer to that question, don't you? But John went on to say a better question to ask is, what would happen to you if you don't die tonight? What will you do with your life the next day? It is in the here and now Jesus offers full and eternal life. What if you die tonight? Where will you go? What if you don't die tonight? There's only one I know to trust with a life, and that's Jesus. Eternal life starts right now if you are in Christ. A life-sized answer to a life-sized question. Are you ready for a new way of life? Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that when our hearts are rattled, when the questions come that we can't answer that are bigger than us, Lord, we don't have to pretend to have all the answers or have everything all together. We thank you that we just need to turn to you, that you've come to us, Jesus, that the word of God has come, that your voice speaks to us, that your spirit comes, and that we can turn to you with trust and with belief and with faith and know that you are strong enough, mighty enough to hold our lives. So be glorified, Lord Jesus, and lift up your life and your light in all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.